Hi, I'm Miranda Rodriguez, and today's host for the third episode of the Changemakers LA podcast, Tackling Homelessness in LA County. Changemakers LA is the inaugural podcast of LA LISC. It is a tribute to the people and the policies that make LA neighborhoods good places to live, work, and play. For our third show, we are so excited to have three leaders in the community development field for a conversation about the state of homelessness in LA County and the tools, financing mechanisms, and policies that are available to help house our most vulnerable neighbors. With us today are Amy Anderson, Executive Director of Path Ventures, a nonprofit developer that builds affordable, permanent, supportive housing. Rushmore Cervantes, General Manager of the Los Angeles Housing and Community Investment Department. And last but not least, Mr. Phil Ansel, Director of the LA County Homeless Initiative. Welcome and thank you guys all for being here. Thank you. Thank you. So we all know that the immensity of homelessness in LA County can often make it feel impossible. The latest reports from the LA Homeless Services Authority show a staggering 23% or 58,000 people in LA are homeless despite the tremendous efforts of the city, the county, philanthropic, and nonprofit community. These numbers affect every significant demographic group, including youth, families, veterans, and the chronically homeless. The crisis is so acute that voters passed two bonds this last year to give practitioners the badly needed resources to tackle the complexity of issues that come with finding permanent shelter for our homeless population. So which brings us to you, our three expert guests, um, who are here to help uh, our listeners understand what we passed in November and March and how it will be used over the next few years. So Rushmore, why don't we start with you? Can you give us an overview of HHH and the city's plan for the use of funds? Certainly, and thank you for the opportunity. Uh, the city of Los Angeles is thrilled that the taxpayers saw the need to pass overwhelmingly measure HHH, which is a commitment of $1.2 billion in capital dollars for the production of permanent supportive housing as well as facilities. The City of Los Angeles, working closely with a Citizens Oversight Committee as well as an Administrative Oversight Committee, determined that of that $1.2 billion, they would allocate, at least from the get-go, $60 million for facilities such for shelters. The remaining portion would be dedicated specifically for permanent supportive housing, working closely with our local housing authority as well as the County of Los Angeles. Uh, we there are facilities, there are rent subsidies, as well as the wraparound services that are uh, provided by uh, the County of Los Angeles, specifically through the recent passage of H. We've never seen a time in, in the history of the region where the County and the City of Los Angeles have worked more closely on this issue in particular. And with that going forward, uh, the City of Los Angeles just approved uh, the first bond sale of that $1.2 billion, approximately $73 million dollars uh, for the production of nine permanent supportive housing uh, buildings which will create approximately 615 units 440 of those for permanent supportive housing homeless individuals so we're well on our way uh, to start producing in large amounts uh, badly needed housing we intend to do three calls uh, for projects a year and that way we can ensure that we've got projects that are in the queue uh, ready to go once we're able to sell the bonds once a year. We, we have the ability to do that uh, each year uh, in July and we get the proceeds two months later and then we will allocate those dollars to those projects that were previously approved. Uh, 
In addition to HHH, the City of Los Angeles has already also committed 44 parcels of land that's dedicating for production of affordable housing, homeless housing, as well as first-time home buyers. So that will reduce the overall cost for the production of uh, said permanent sort of housing. We are looking at other ways to be able to streamline our processes to ensure that we can get projects up and running as quickly as possible uh, and as efficiently as possible with the pricing uh, and doing it the, the, if you will, the uh, least cost possible. Um, the overall goal uh, is 1,000 units a year or 10,000 units a year uh, for the, over the 10-year period or the life of that bond. And we will be matching our resources with other resources such as the State of California No Place Like Home dollars. That's uh, Mental Health Service Act dollars have been freed up. Uh, the County of Los Angeles is, is poised to receive a little over $600 million in 2018 and the county and the city of Los Angeles are working closely together to ensure that those, util those dollars are utilized for those most chronically, uh, most in need of housing. So with that, that's the framework of how we're moving forward. We, we work very closely with the mayor, the council, as well as uh, the Citizens Oversight Committee to ensure that there's a clear and transparent process by which we are going to allocate those dollars, where they're going to be allocated, uh, and ensure that we're getting the best bang for our buck. Great, and then can you just talk a little bit about the Citizens Oversight Committee for those folks who don't necessarily know what that is? Right. When the bond was passed, uh, the taxpayers felt it was important that they have a Citizens Oversight Committee, which is comprised of appointees from the mayor as well as the council, uh, with varying backgrounds to ensure that uh, the designs of the funding stream as well as the projects we're funding meet the initial intent of the taxpayers to ensure the monies are spent wisely. And the department, HCID, which is the administrator of HHH dollars, uh, is required to report every six months on its expenditures, how it's producing with the timelines of them, and also how we are going to uh, allocate those dollars in the future and the types of projects that we're going to finance. So it's very transparent as to how we're doing this, and you know we welcome all input. And as as the years go on, we will receive uh, further guidance and input from the Citizens Oversight Committee, as well as our Housing and Poverty and Homeless Committees, to ensure that we are putting forward programs that meet the needs of our, our constituents and make the most sense both uh, from a financial standpoint, but also just from, from those that really need it the most. Really, the bottom line is we can't forget that these are, I'm talking a lot of numbers and processes, but you know the ultimate goal is here to get people off the street as quickly as possible, and that's what really is people are concerned about. Yeah. And so Rushmar mentioned uh, the kind of unprecedented partnership that, that the city and the county are, are joining up to help kind of tackle this issue. So maybe, Phil, you can kind of talk a little bit about Measure H and how it's different from HHH and how you guys are rolling out those funds. And Certainly happy to do so. Um, <clears throat> the Los Angeles County voters uh, overwhelmingly approved Measure H on March 7th of this year, 69.3% um, of county voters supporting Measure H. Measure H is a one quarter cent special sales tax for 10 years, uh, dedicated exclusively to preventing and combating homelessness. Measure H will actually start being collected on transactions that are subject to the tax on October 1 of this year but the county has the ability to start spending Measure H funding on July 1st of this year. 
as I mentioned, Measure H will be in effect for 10 years and is projected to generate $355 million annually. So that's upwards of $3.5 billion over the 10-year uh, period. Measure H is primarily for rental subsidies and services uh, to combat and prevent homelessness, though a small percentage of Measure H funding is recommended to be utilized for capital costs for preservation, rehabilitation, and construction of homeless housing in particular. When the Board of Supervisors placed Measure H on the ballot in December 2016, the board specified 21 strategies for which Measure H can be utilized. And those strategies, almost all of those strategies were developed in the winter of 2015 as part of the initial homeless initiative planning process. That was an unprecedented, inclusive, collaborative, and transparent planning process that brought together homeless service providers, cities, Los Angeles County departments, business and faith organizations, putting our heads and our hearts and our experience together to generate a coordinated set of strategies, which the Board of Supervisors approved in February 2016. At that time, the board approved $100 million in one-time funding to launch the initial implementation of the strategies, while at the same time recognizing that an ongoing funding source would be needed to sustain the strategies and implement them to scale over the long haul. So these uh, 21 strategies, as I mentioned, are primarily in the area of rental subsidies and services, activities like outreach to uh, homeless adults in encampments and on the streets, crisis housing for families, youth, and adults as a step toward permanent housing. Uh, permanent housing both with short-term subsidies, rapid rehousing for adults who have a very good chance of gaining the ability to pay their own rent in six to 12 months, and permanent supportive housing for disabled adults who need long-term rental subsidies and services. The Board of Supervisors approved the scope of usage of the Measure H funds last December, but did not specify how many dollars would be allocated to each of the strategies. And therefore, in February, the Board directed our office to convene an inclusive, public, collaborative stakeholder planning process to develop specific recommendations to the Board of Supervisors. So we convened a group of 50 stakeholders, organizations that had been specified in the Board's February action city and council of government representatives, homeless service providers, faith leaders, the United Way, the Business Leaders Task Force, Los Angeles Homeless Services Authority, people with lived homeless experience, and uh, numerous Los Angeles County departments came together in five public meetings between March and May, and we reached a consensus on recommendations to the Board of Supervisors regarding the use of Measure H funding over the first three years. On June 13, the Board of Supervisors is scheduled to vote on those recommendations. Those are recommendations that are final for the first year, fiscal year 17-18, and they are tentative recommendations for the subsequent two years. We'll be returning to the Board with final recommendations in the spring of 2018 and the spring of 2019, respectively. Once the board approves the funding, we'll actually be able to start using it to prevent and combat homelessness as early as 
July 1st. And we're fortunate that we're not starting from scratch because as I mentioned, almost all of the strategies were previously approved in February of 2016. Most of them are already implemented utilizing the one-time funding previously approved by the board. So for the most part, the Measure H funding will be utilized to increase the number of families, youth and adults who are served through these existing strategies. In some instances, the actual activities within those strategies will be expanded with the additional, uh, with the availability of the Measure H funding. Our overall structure is that we have one or two lead county departments or agencies mm -hmm. for each of the strategies, such as Los Angeles Homeless Services Authority or the Department of Health Services. And those lead agencies are responsible for administering the funding. In most instances, those lead agencies will in turn contract those dollars to community-based homeless services providers who will be directly responsible for, for, for providing those services. In some instances, the dollars will be contracted to other entities or used by the county agencies themselves. But as I mentioned, the vast bulk of the funding will be contracted with community-based homeless service providers. That will be a combination of amendments to existing contracts where additional funding can be incorporated and in some instances competitive procurement processes will be required. And so um, for some of those funds, do you guys have earmarks or goals within special interest groups, say homeless youth or families or veterans? So some of the strategies are population specific. So for example, strategy A1 is homeless prevention for families, or strategy E14 is enhanced services for transition age youth. So by definition, the funding for those strategies is for a specific population. Within some of the other strategies that span the population, in some instances there are specifications within. So for example, rapid rehousing, which is uh, time-limited rental subsidies and time-limited employment and supportive services for people who have the ability to, uh, projected ability to pay their own rent in six to 12 months. There are a designated number of slots for youth, a designated number of families, and a designated number for adults. In other instances, such as the countywide outreach system, there is no specification up front because those outreach teams will be engaging all homeless populations who are on the street or in encampments. Got it. And so, Amy, as a developer and service provider, you are a huge advocate of both measures, um, and you're out there every day seeing clients. So what do you think the field as a whole can do, and the city and the county specifically, to effectively leverage the resources and to be able to create the impact that we, that we need here? Uh, it's a great question. Um, I think the first thing that we need to do is to uh, build like gangbusters. Um, we need to, as quickly as we can, um, start creating as many of these permanent supportive housing units and um, communities um, that we can, both to uh, address the uh, crisis level of, of homelessness that we're experiencing in the county and also to demonstrate to all those voters, <coughs> excuse me, to demonstrate to all those voters um, that we can effectively um, use these uh, resources that they entrusted um, to, to the public agencies and to the contractors who are uh, you know, ultimately um, employing them. Uh, there's been a lot of um, partnerships, um, I think, that have been 
supporting that effort to go like gangbusters. There's uh, foundations in Los Angeles, California Community Foundation in particular, that have been helping uh, developers to try and um, uh, get ahead. You know, we, they started to uh, support us both in terms of staffing um, and in terms of uh, pre-development dollars um, to try and build our pipelines. Um, so that we could move really quickly to get these developments uh, funded um, and built. Um, Corporation for Supportive Housing is making available um, uh, uh, acquisition loans. Uh, they're actually administering um, funds that uh, have been made available by the City of Los Angeles through the Supportive Housing Loan Program. That, that's critical for getting projects built. Uh, we need to get out there and um, secure properties, um, secure the funding, um, and, and get the developments uh, built. Um, I think the other um, way that we can leverage these resources is that we, as uh, developers and public agencies, at, at least at the site-based developments, really need to prioritize the hardest to serve because um, site-based permanent supportive housing really is the most effective um, approach to helping people who um, have been living um, on the streets uh, for a long time, chronically homeless individuals, um, to stabilize um, and to um, become independent and healthy and to, to thrive. Um, and that's because uh, site-based developments combine uh, a home, uh, affordability, but really um, easy access um, to services because um, there's case managers on site um, and those case managers have um, you know resources and a, and a network of um, service providers um, in the community that they can help to uh, link individuals to. So whether it's a development that is 100% supportive housing or uh, something that is more an integrated model, it's really important that uh, those uh, permanent supportive housing units be focused on um, serving um, the, the people that have been um, hard to serve, that mm -hmm. have been on the streets for a long time. Um, I think that the third uh, way to really leverage these great resources is around um, building the capacity of our field um, to, um, to realize these goals. And um, that's really um, among, again, all the players, because permanent supportive housing really does rely on this, uh, these partnerships and these, and these networks. So it's building the capacity of uh, affordable housing developers to understand um, how permanent supportive housing is a little bit different um, when you go to operate it, um, because there's a different approach to property management and there's a whole new player, there's a supportive services provider that that um, developer needs to uh, understand how to work with. So, you know, um, Corporation for Supportive Housing actually has some wonderful technical trainings that um, the affordable housing uh, development community here in Los Angeles should uh, try and access because it would help them to have a better understanding of, of, of what a permanent supportive housing community um, is, is intended to be. Um, and then on the services side, right, I mean, there's, um, there's a lot of need out there. There's now resources, um, and we need to continue to expand the capacity um, of the service providers um, as, as well if we're going to make sure that once 
um, individuals and families and veterans move into these units that they're gonna that they're gonna remain stably housed. Yeah, um, it's, it really is a fantastic partnership. Hi, Tanua. And we have Tanua, <laughs> who is able to join us, our executive director. Hi, everyone. Hello. Good morning. Good to see everybody. I feel like we, we're ready to solve homelessness now. Right We've got everybody in the room. Yeah. So it sounds like you've had an opportunity to kind of walk through what's going on, what are the programs. Um, I think those in the audience who know this term will know uh, sort of uh, if they listen to NPR, the wait, wait, don't tell me. I think we can get to those kinds of questions now. Um, so essentially, you Donald know, Trump. Oh, gosh. <laughs> we haven't said that yet. That was my next question. <laughs> Sorry, he's always the answer to a question. Okay. So, so at this point, I think a lot of, some of the things that are in people's minds when they think about homelessness in L.A. right now is that, you know, they just heard that the numbers went up. How could that be? We've got all these resources. Um, and, and you have taken the time to kind of walk through the fact that it takes, you know, we, they, there's a budget process and we've got to get to a point where we can actually start to spend things and there's projects in place but I think people want to know sort of essentially how is it that this is getting worse and yet you know they think that they're solving the problem well with re I think it's important to sort of be clear about the timing I mean measure H hasn't even taken effect yet mm -hmm. so the, the homeless count results that were just released were released in January of 2017 so on the county side, in terms of the homeless initiative, the very soonest that we were utilizing any of the one-time funding approved by the Board of Supervisors in 2016 was July 2016. So any impact by January 2017 was very modest, and none of the uh, facilities that were that will be supported under Measure Triple H have been built yet. So there, there is no basis to, it would have been impossible really for either Measure H or Measure Triple H to have impacted the 2017 homeless count results. And even in January 2018 will be very soon. My expectation is that the first impact we might see is January of 2019. And we often have to remind the public that one, that we've got these timing constraints, but there's been an incredible amount of coordination between the county and all of its offices and the various cities within the county to make sure that this moves fast. So at the very least, we can be really proud of sort of how we've rallied and come together even at this point. You know, some of the other questions that people often ask are, you know, why does it cost so much to, you know, develop a unit for someone who's formerly homeless? You know, what, what are the creative ways? What can we be doing out there um, to make sure we're building housing as quickly as we can to house people? Amy can certainly speak to that from the city's perspective. It has to do the financing with HHH, and I would also echo what Phil said as far as the timing. The voters approved it in November. We really won't see our first dollar uh, from a bond sale until uh, probably August or September yeah. of, the of, of 2017, and then it takes us anywhere from 18 to 24 months to build. So as far as building our way out of this, it's going to take some time. As it relates to the overall cost, uh, because of the economic boom here in Los Angeles in particular, construction costs as, as a whole are up. Uh, there's a high demand for uh, skilled labor. In addition to that, you have the high cost of land. And with various sources of monies that we impose, whether it be low-income housing cash credits, bond financing, there's also restrictions on those as well. So there is it, there are things that just inherently cost more. And also with permanent sort of housing or affordable housing in general, we're building to a standard that will be able to last for an extended period of time. So we're not building 
just shacks with just the, the bare minimum quality. We want to build quality developments that will last up for a long period of time. I'm not sure Amy, you have anything further to add to the cost. Yeah, no, Rushman, you, you covered a lot of the, the points, and I really appreciate the focus on, um, you know, w when we're building, we're looking to build uh, really high-quality environments, both for the residents that we're, you know, building for and helping to provide homes for now, but also so that we don't have to reinvest um, public funds you know, in 15 or 20 years, really, we want to, you know, think about that this is a, a strong, positive, long-term um, investment. I think, I think it's important to point out that it's not just, you know, permanent supportive housing or affordable housing that's costly to build right now. It's all housing in Los Angeles, which Rushmore uh, pointed out by, you know, identifying land and construction costs as really um, being uh, extremely high uh, right now. Um, I think the other thing that is unique to permanent supportive housing um, in terms of costs is we often measure um, costs um, in terms of a per unit cost. And what happens at permanent supportive housing is that we're building uh, resources within our communities that are above and beyond the units in that uh, you know there's offices for the supportive services team that are working on site, um, building community rooms, um, you know, computer, um, you know, training sites. Um, uh, Path Ventures tries to build in um, teaching kitchens into our developments. Um, so those kind of non-unit, um, you know, non-private uh, uh, unit apartment space um, is also a critical piece to supportive housing being being successful. You want to be able to provide those resources on site. Okay. Can, can I ask? Sure. Can I also just provide a response to your question in terms of right the increase in, in homelessness? I think uh, um, it's really important to remember that it's taken us years, if not decades, to get us to this place, this terrible place, right? And it's going to take a long time for us to kind of to move out of this situation as well. Um, you know. Uh, I, I feel like there are a lot of people falling into homelessness that never in their, you know, never would have imagined that they would find themselves in that situation. And that is so much because of the cost of, of housing. And we really need to think of all levels of solutions site-based permanent supportive housing to help those people who are super vulnerable who have potentially been living on the street for a long time as well as families that are you know faced with uh, rent increases yeah. um, the solutions are are vast and part of it is uh, you know through the HHH and H but part of it is us thinking about you know uh, changing our land use patterns um, trying to figure out a way to incentivize more housing development and incentivize denser housing development and incentivize, you know, it's great. Um, measure M, right, is to me, Measure M is also a housing tool, right, because in investing in our um, transportation infrastructure, um, it goes so far in helping to create uh, new areas within the region where housing can be um, developed, uh, where people have. Yeah, you know, continuing access to resources. Uh, I'd like to sort of add, piggyback on Amy's comments as well. Even though the effect of H and HHH are not seen in the January 2017 homeless count, 
we did see a very marked increase in the number of homeless families, youth and adults, who moved from homelessness into permanent housing over the course of calendar year 2016. And that's a, that's a testament to the fact that the homeless service delivery system is uh, serving more people and doing so more effectively. And that will become even more true with the infusion of Measure H funding. But what the homeless services system has limited ability to impact is the number of people who are becoming homeless, as Amy mentioned. And when we look at the increase in 2017 compared to 2016, it is 100% attributable to an increase in the number of becoming homeless, a number of people becoming homeless, not a reduction in the number of people who are exiting homelessness. In fact, more people exited homelessness but there was an even bigger increase in the people becoming homeless. So, and when we look at other elements of the homeless count data, we really see that that increase is being driven by rising rents with wages that are not keeping pace. For example, we saw that the percentage of homeless people suffering from mental illness or substance abuse went down in 2017 compared to 2016. The number of people who became homeless for the first time that were counted, who were homeless for the first time, that were counted in 2017, went up. So the geographic distribution was across Los Angeles County with the biggest increases in regions that had historically not been as heavily impacted by homelessness outside of the downtown and the sort of urban core, more around the, uh, the northern and eastern and southeastern areas of the county, where homelessness has been a significant problem, but that's where the increases were concentrated. So all of that combines to show that we have a very large population of low-income families and adults who are precariously housed. Yeah. And any little thing, an illness, a reduction in hours, a relationship breakup, a car breakdown, anything can push um, a family or adult who's precariously housed off the edge into homelessness. And as Amy mentioned, the, the key to this problem is actions that will slow the increase in rents, um, primarily through increasing the supply of housing at all levels. Um, market rate housing, affordable housing, and permanent supportive housing. So what I see in front of me are three totally dedicated professionals, public servants, community leaders who are really committed to the issue of homelessness and are you know working in the trenches to try and figure out what are the best practices, how do we do this, how do we you know really do it faster, how do we do it better. I love the idea of making sure that it's top quality because certainly part of what we're doing is giving people a step and a safety net so that they don't fall back into homelessness and sometimes that means additional services and support. Um, at this point, we've, we've got to close out our conversation. Um, it's exciting to know that voters in, La, in the Los Angeles County area have agreed that this is something we need to do something about, which means that everybody equally in some ways will have a financial sort of input into this. Um, and, and right now, the other issue that's sort of top of mind is as we start to cite facilities, as we start to uh, really begin to put resources out on sort of the everyday pedestrian level street, 
How do we make sure that the public is ready for that? Because I think that that's where we are as far as rubber you know, hitting the road and meeting the expectations that we have about housing everyone. So last closing thoughts about what we can do to um, work with the public to ensure that people understand that these are quality developments, that having more housing at all levels is critical to solving this crisis. Right. With the city of Los Angeles, with the resources that we've had in the past from federal entitlements, former redevelopment agency, and now with HHH, uh, obviously the taxpayers have indicated they do want the homeless issue resolved, more affordable housing, more permanent sort of housing built. Um, what we do need to do is to do a better job, and I think we've done a pretty good job so far, but even more education as to the quality of the product that's, going, that's being developed on, in neighborhoods. Typically what we've seen, uh, the projects we have financed, they're usually the, the nicest building in the block. And what was previously potentially resistance for affordable housing, let alone permanent sort of housing, mm -hmm. once they see the quality of the structure, they see the amenities, they see the quality of the services, the people that are residing in those homes, is that, you know, these are good people and the, the quality of the, of the investment has actually elevated the value of the property that they live in. So uh, we're bringing bringing jobs, we're bringing quality services uh, and improvement to the neighborhood with these facilities. Uh, and, and also at the same time serving those that are most in need, those that are the residents. Uh, it's going to be a continued education as we move forward with HHH and we look to target our investments throughout the city of Los Angeles, not targeting just the, 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 the low-end cost areas, but we distribute where the needs are throughout the entire city. That's where the education needs to come into play. I guess I, I would um, add to that really kind of um, sticking with this theme of how many partners it really does take to um, you know, make this vision a reality, which is both the mayor's office and the United Way have kind of embarked on efforts to, uh, like a public education campaign to help people to understand what permanent supportive housing is and what it looks like. You know, in, in my experience, you mentioned people experiencing homelessness and uh, you know, real estate development and people automatically think that they're going to get a shelter or some kind of feeding program, right? That they don't realize that what you're actually building is an apartment building. Um, and it just happens to be for people who you know, are experiencing homelessness. Um, so a public education campaign, I think, is really going to be essential to us being able to, um, you know, create create more of these developments, um, and and political leadership, um, you know, a leadership among the elected officials um, to support and encourage these developments um, in, in 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 each of their neighborhoods. We have to convert it from not in my backyard, NIMBY, to yes in my backyard, YIMBY. Yes in my backyard. Uh, final comment. Bill? Well, I, I just say that this is a, a very, um, it's an exceptional moment. And we're involved with many people who say that they feel like they're part of a movement to combat homelessness across Los Angeles County. And the, I've been working in Los Angeles County government for two decades. And this is my first opportunity to lead an effort uh, that people in which the people participating say and feel like they're part of a movement. And that term movement conveys the kind of dynamism, innovation, creativity, sense of shared purpose, commitment that is emerging in communities across Los Angeles County and across virtually every sector uh, of our community. 
Well, let's ignite the movement of Yes in My Backyard. And with that, I want to thank you all for being here and for your leadership in these extraordinary times. I want to take a moment to thank our co-host for today, Ms. Miranda Rodriguez. Round of applause, Miranda. (laughs) And for our listeners out there, please join the discussion on Twitter at LA underscore LISC, L-I-S-C, hashtag ChangemakersLA. And stay tuned for our next episode, where we'll be discussing creative efforts to support entrepreneurship and local economic development in LA's neighborhoods. Thank you for listening to the Changemakers LA podcast. This podcast is made possible by a generous grant from the Bank of America Charitable Foundation to spur economic gains for low-income families and communities. If you would like to support LA List or learn more about our work, please visit us online at www.list.org slash Los Angeles or follow us on Twitter at LA underscore LISC. Our host for today is LA LISC Executive Director Tanua Thrash Intook. Production support was provided by Miranda Rodriguez and the Donas. You can find the rest of the series on SoundCloud. Subscribe to LA LISC page to hear more conversations about the people and places that shape Los Angeles. <laughs>